Rarely do we read about Zacchaeus in January, and that can mean only one thing. We just finished a journey of Lent and Christmas season and celebration, and we're about to begin another one to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And this is a joyous time of year uh, for Orthodox Christians. Our liturgical calendar gets very full at this time of year. There's lots to do. And they be, we begin with the story of Zacchaeus for a very important reason. Taxes. The Jews didn't used to have to pay taxes. It was something that was instituted in David, the time of King David, during the time, of course, when they were <clears throat> under the Pharaoh, they, they were the tax source. They were slave labor. They didn't pay taxes. And then when they went out into the desert, they wandered in the desert and God provided for them. But then when Joshua went to conquer Jericho, they were taking over the land of the Canaanites. And they were attacking the fortress of the Canaanites, and we know the story, that it was an impenetrable force, fortress. So they walked around it for six days, and on the seventh day they walked around it for seven times and shouted, and the walls fell down. So they moved in, conquered the Canaanites, and began to be ruled by judges. Now, they weren't judges the way we think of judges. They were military leaders and heroes. And that's how they would provide for themselves. The conquering and taking of booty and land and, and resources of other people, enslaving those people, and that's what supported their community. Not very civilized, and certainly not very stable, because... The people that you've conquered are going to try and get free. And there's other people always trying to conquer you and make you their tax base. So when they decided they wanted a monarchy, like other groups, and they got their first king, Saul, they began to institute a tax base. And it started in late King David's reign. And that is how they would collect money from the people, and they would collect it for a tribute tax. They would collect a customs tax, which was based on consumption, and they would collect a, road, a toll tax, which was a road tax. And that is how they would meet their needs. Then they also gave to the church, or the temple at the time, to sustain the priesthood. So taxes have been around a long time, well, why is all this important? Christ uses Zacchaeus as an illustration for us because he was a tax collector. Now, this time, they were now under the Romans and the taxes were collected for the Romans. But this is how they did it. They put out for bid how many people would want to bid to collect a certain amount of tax and people would com compete for that bid, saying, oh, I can collect that amount, or I could collect more. So they'd put in a bid. Now, it was always a risk, because you may not raise that amount of money. And then it would have to come out of your own pocket. 
So tax collectors were not very popular people because they would squeeze you for as much as they could, number one, to meet their obligation to the Roman government, and then number two, because they got what was left over. Now Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was a prominent tax collector, and as the Gospel tells us, he was very rich. So you can imagine that he was also not very popular. And you hear the people murmur when Jesus goes into his house. Now, it wouldn't take much imagination for us to think of that category of people in our day. Most likely, that is where we would find Jesus. The last sentence in the Gospel is he came to seek the lost. So that is where he would be. So Zacchaeus, he was a short man. He was a short Jewish tax collector. Does that give you a picture? And he climbs up a tree and he anticipates Jesus. And Jesus sees him and calls him by name. He establishes a rapport and a relationship. And he does something that is horrible. He says, I'm going to come and stay with you today. And everybody goes, ah, does he know who that man is? He's a tax collector. He's a Jew. He sells us out and collects our money and sends it to Rome. We don't like him very much. Well, it doesn't tell us exactly what happens. But because of this encounter with Christ, we see Zacchaeus' response. He gives half of his money to the poor. And if he has defrauded anybody, he repays them fourfold. Now imagine somebody that you know that is perhaps of that character. Somebody you think, ah, they'll never change. They're just greedy and selfish and out for themselves and they'll never change. But with this encounter with Christ, we see a certain exuberance. We see a certain forgetfulness and an opening of the heart. God didn't tell him what to do. He knew in his heart what to do. And he responded generously. What happened to that old attitude? What happened to the greed and miserliness and penny-pinching, watching after every cent? We call that metanya, change of mind. He looked at life differently. And when he saw it as God saw it, he was no longer afraid. He was no longer concerned about himself, he felt love. He felt loved by God. And that moved his heart. And that transformed him. And that opened up the floodgates of generosity. So why do we start out Lent with this image, with this example of a man of repentance and transformation? I bet the people around him couldn't believe it. We watched 
Scrooge the Christmas Carol and we see that kind of transformation. But it's put there for us. Because those of us who follow Christ, do we lose that exuberance? Do we lose that freedom and excitement in our journey? Was that case feeling that way the rest of his days? Or do you have to have a continual encounter with Christ? Do we not go up and down in our journey with Christ? But how do we get it back? How do we get back that joy and that self-forgetfulness to be generous and kind and, and loose with God's gifts, to bless those around us, to become a source of joy for those around us? Not someone we fear, or loathe, or can't stand to be around. Well, it's put right at the beginning of the journey of Lent. And what's coming is ascesis, spiritual exercise, spiritual discipline, not as a legalistic form of punishment, but as an opportunity to refocus ourselves, to become forgetful of our body's needs, to return to living in that joy and exuberance, to be ready at any moment to give away half of our goods and repay those we've defrauded fourfold. That's a response of love to being loved, to someone who has felt deeply moved in their soul, and sometimes we get a little too familiar. And familiarity can breed contempt. And we can lose that vitality. So the church has placed this there for our benefit. To let us know the next triodion, the, four o, the three odes leading up to Clean Monday, are a period. Get ready. Prepare yourself. That kind of joy is what God wants us to come to church with. That kind of joy is what God wants to, us to take out into the world to show other people, to show what transformation looks like. We don't want to be just happy, joyful people when we're trying to invite somebody to the church. We want to be happy, joyful people when we're in line paying bills or we're in line buying groceries or somebody cuts us off in traffic, or someone gives us a dirty look in the office and hurts us. That's when we need to have that exuberance, and that's why we need spiritual boot camp, to be ready at every moment to testify to God's salvation in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.